Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. Lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift you up tonight. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that's due you alone. Father, we thank you for tonight. Just lift your hands toward heaven. Father, we are here to receive from the word of the Lord, to receive from the anointing of your Holy Spirit, to break the back of the enemy that's tried to attack many. And we are here to decree freedom and life, hope, truth, that which you want to release to a generation that they might know you and serve you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are here, open, ready, willing today to receive all that you're outpouring. And we're thankful already for your anointing that is here, the evidence of your presence all around us. When we praise, you are enthroned. And when you are enthroned, you begin to release the captive and speak peace to the storm. Your authority and your dominion begins to come into the midst of the earth. And we begin to hear from heaven and operate with a grace that's multiplied in our lives. James, I saw upon you as you were worshiping, the Lord says, son, there's a cloud of creativity around you in this season. As I hovered over the faces of the deep, I began to call deep to deep, and I began to release even the sounds of heaven into the earth. And you are now tapping into the frequencies of heaven, says the Lord, and I'm going to show you things that others have not seen or heard, for the sounds shall begin to abound inside of you, says the Lord. For surely even inside of you are Christian classics, says the Lord. Even inside of you is a sound that many will begin to say, this is what needs to be released and sung. The Lord says, son, you bowed your knee even in the brokenness of your life, even when you felt like you believed a lie. I spoke to you and I said, son, if you will come to me. I will embrace and I will heal even the broken place inside of your heart. And even that tenderness that I decreed is a part of your makeup, but yet the enemy tried to take advantage of you. But the Lord says, son, I have protected and I have blessed you. And now you have created a place for me to operate, says the Lord. And you're going to find that there is a banner of love over your life that shall not only protect you, but it shall be the culture of your life, says the Lord. For I will bring you into family and I will bring you into maturity and manhood even in the new way that you've asked of me for there's an anointing upon your life in this season to be able to lead and be able to impart my heart generationally and so you have received says the Lord even some of the areas that you've said I don't understand that why did I go through the Lord says lay it upon the altar and as you do I'm going to begin to speak afresh upon your life. Father, we anoint his hands. We anoint his heart. We anoint his mind. We anoint right now the creative release that you placed inside of him now to go to the next level. Go to the next level. Go to the next level. In the name of Jesus, never the same. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for your anointing. Is the beautiful lady that was the beautiful black lady, uh, African-American lady, the big, where are you at? That was singing on the worship team? Is she in here? Well, if you, if you find her, I want to I wanna minister to her and just release the word of the Lord. While, while we do that, my brother and my sister here, the one with the white shirt, 
You can just come here for a moment. Come on, stretch forth your hand. The Lord says, son, I want you to know that you have labored and you have even worked with that which I placed within your hand. And you said, God, I cannot see increase unless you build a house. It will not work. And even some things came to discourage you and try to say there was something wrong and the enemy spoke against your worth. But I want you to know, son, you are precious in my sight. And I have called you. And you're going to operate not in your own strength, but in my might. So I brought you through some humbling experiences so that you would know it was me and not you. And you could rely rightly upon that which I want to bring to you. But this is the season that when you lay your hand to the plow, it shall bear fruit. There is a harvest yet coming. Coming forth for you, says the Lord. And the Lord says, son, you're going to find that my yoke is easy. And I see something about how you're going to operate. It's like you're greasy. God's going to put the anointing all over you. And you're going to squeeze through some tight places. You're going to find that, hey, I thought this was going to be hard. And God's going to show up. And people are going to love you. They're going to receive you. There's a favor that will rest upon your life. And you'll know that it's not anything that you have of your own strength or ability. But it's me showing up for you. And the Lord says, son, favor is an inheritance that has been given freely. You can't earn a gift. It's a blessing. And grace is being multiplied in your life. I see you sowing some seeds and saying, God, I want to honor you first. And because of that, God says the first fruits have been received. And the blessing is going to flow upon you and upon your family. And, Father, I just speak over their home that it's going to be a place where great grace is multiplied. Hospitality will be evident. And people will come and be blessed. And they will find rest. And they'll say, this is a place I feel comfortable. And I want to receive even of that anointing, it's like that gold of a shepherd's heart that says, I want to be there for you. I want to care for you. And I'm willing to do what it takes to help you grow and help you know what is right, what is wrong, and how uh, that release of that potential inside of you to flow. And so, Father, I speak that mother's and father's heart upon them and that they're going to know that you're faithful in every season. And there's a fresh season of the blessings of the Lord that you're birthing inside of them in this time. In Jesus' name. Come Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Father, we're so thankful for the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord brings life. I've seen it so many times where God speaks his strength, his peace over those that receive just the heart of the Lord. I believe God's loosing some things even tonight. Turn to somebody and say, God has something special for you. He's loosing miracles, mantles, and inheritances. You know why God does a miracle? He doesn't do a miracle just because, oh, I want to show off. He does a miracle to advance his kingdom in the earth and in your life. And so lift up your hands right now. Father, I decree even tonight that there's some miracles that you want to loose in lives. You want to begin to open up hearts to the new thing that you want to do that you have even better than what they had thought you wanted to release to them. I speak faith to arise. Now, let it be increase now in the name of Jesus Christ. My brother, behind the couple I minister to with the beard, is that your wife? Is that your child? No. Whose child is it? Huh? The drummer. The drummer. That's okay. Keep, keep him. Hang on. Keep her. Lord's the son and daughter of mine. 
I took you to the fire so that you might be tried and come forth as pure gold. And the Lord says, son, I want you to know I've called you to be a man of integrity. I've called you to be a man that will understand what manhood is about and have a maturity in how you operate. And so I took you through some things that you would see behind the scenes and you would see the heart of man so you would understand what takes place. For surely, I saw you guys taking like it was a, a washcloth and washing people's face that had been smeared with mud. And at the end of the day, God says, beauty for ashes, I will restore and I will give them more than before. And the Lord says, son and daughter, your home is going to be a place where there's going to be an a multiplied grace of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, I see the Lord says, son, can you handle promotion? Can you handle increase? I have prepared you for a new day. And so the Lord says, raise your expectation because I'm going to work with your faith. You will receive if you will ask of me. And I just see that God says the double portion of his anointing and that don't begin to limit the Lord because of what you've known from before. God says the open door is now at hand and I'm going to begin to move in your life. And I saw that this child is a very special child and that there's a birthing and a battling that's gone on over her life. And God's saying there's a fresh birthing that's going to take place even in the family and even in the anointing and even that which God has decreed will happen in this day. And so Father, I bless her as well in the name of Jesus and loose that portion even as she's being held right now and cared for that father all the days of her life she will grow and know you and serve you and be a voice for you in her day in Jesus name come and give the Lord a hand clap of praise hallelujah you know as you're standing just for another moment I remember calling up here and talking to Pastor Karen and Daniel and you guys have just had an earthquake pretty big one. And we had just had a hurricane. Hurricane Michael came straight for us. Said it's going to be a cat one. Blew up in the Gulf. Prophet had prophesied if something's going to like that. It's going to hit the panhandle. And so we began to decree and pray. It's headed straight for us for our property there in Santa Rosa Beach. Got in our my dad was there, many others. We stayed and prayed. Drove around our acreage, got in our truck, did a Facebook Live and began to sing, this is how I fight my battles. Began to decree, we raise a hallelujah in the midst of the storm. Began to decree, God, you are our preservation and our protection and our refuge. God, without you, we're in trouble, but with you, all things are possible. Crazy thing the last hour turned, blew up to a Category 5, 165 mile per hour sustained winds. Went into Panama City and tore it up pretty bad. Had our October conference all planned. We canceled and just ministered to our community. And that song, Raise a Hallelujah in the Midst of the Storm, began to be a banner in our land. And one of our churches, a very powerful church over in Panama City, they took the eye of the storm. 90% tree damage. Buildings torn up. I went over there the next day. Just hard to believe what you saw. Traumatizing. God preserved their sanctuary and their home that was in the eye of the storm. And Pastor Robert Gay, he got a revelation afterwards where the Lord said, I will restore, and he 
look back into the Hebrew and where the decree in Scripture talks about if someone comes and steals a lamb from you or steals land from you, then they have to restore. And he found that that word restore in the Hebrew is the word shalam. And that word shalam literally means this, more than before and better than before. Yeah, the enemy may have come to steal, rob, and destroy, but God says, Shalem, I want to give you more than before and better than before. So lift up your hands right now. Father, we raise a hallelujah in the midst of earthquakes, in the midst of storms, in the midst of whatever we face, and we say that God, we serve the God of Shalom, and we serve the God of Shalem more than ever before and better than whatever was lost along the way. Father, we speak that truth over our land, our lives, our families, our calling. All that you've decreed is ours in the name of Jesus. Can you give somebody a high five and say, Shalem. You may be seated. Let me just bless this sister and her husband, I guess, right? The Lord says, daughter, I want you to know I called you to be a warrior for me. And I ask you to take on the cause of my kingdom and even be willing to be one on the front lines. And you've had ones in your heart that you've had to pray over and decree and have given you a capacity to be able to see in the spirit. And at times it's wearied you. And at times it's worried you. And at times you have wondered, what do I do? But I've asked you to be one that would stand in the gap and begin to take up that space where the enemy wants to to invade, And I want you to know, daughter, that many lives have been saved and even nations have been placed in your heart. And you're going to be amazed that even as you go and flow and even as you stay, that there's going to be a power in your prayers. And there's going to be a power even in the prophetic word of the Lord that will be birthed in your heart. And the sounds of heaven and the song of the Lord shall come out, says the Lord. And the Lord says, son, you've been one that has watched and prayed and kind of looked and said, well, I'll do my my part, but the Lord says, get ready, son. I'm getting ready to elevate, and I'm getting ready even to excavate, and I'm going to take some things out of the way that have been inside of you for their little fears that have kept coming up again and again, but those obstacles have been in your way, and today is a day not only of deliverance out of, but a deliverance into the kingdom power and authority that have called you to have in your home, and have called you to have even in the marketplace where there's things that you felt like, I don't know if there's a place for me, but the Lord says there is, and I see God giving you keys to unlock things that have been locked up, and the Lord says, son, even prosperity is getting ready to come on a new level, and the things that you guys have been praying about, and you felt like you were held out, God says the gate is getting ready to swing the other way. I loose the anointing of God, and I decree that warfare of the Spirit is not going to wear them down. It's going to fire them up and release leads them into a whole new level of the anointing. I loose them now in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. When I say God is loosing miracles, mantles, and inheritances, you know, when you have a mantle, it's kind of like this. You have maybe a neighbor that you know. And you say, well, I know all about them, but they're actually a judge. Well, you might just say, hey, Joe. But how many know that when they put on that robe and they're in the courtroom, 
You don't go in there and say, hey, Joe, what do you say if you're wise? Your honor. And people may look at you and say, I know you. I know everything about you. And you're just, you know, who is this from Nazareth? Who is this person? But there's something that transacts when God puts a mantle upon your life. And all of a sudden he says, I'm losing an authority that when you speak, it begins to be the verdict. It begins to be the thing that shifts things. You're now gifted and given a positioning that begins to be the breakthrough that people need. And you know, when you put on a mantle or a shirt, all you do is just just lift up your hands like your kids do. When they say, Daddy, put my shirt on. Come on, can you just do it tonight? Father, you're loosing mantles to people right now. And they may think small of themselves or don't think, well, I'm not all that. But God says, wait until I'm done. Let me put the mantle on you so you can operate with what I have for you. And so, Lord, I loose that mantle of the anointing upon all those that are ready to receive, just like little kids, God, we're growing up quickly and we're receiving the double portion and that which you have purposed for us. And, Father, we're so thankful for that. In Jesus' name, for this family that, is it the Davis? Davis. I just saw a banner like a rainbow over your life. And just like Noah, it says, he saved a generation. And it says Noah was right in the sight of God. And that because of that, he opened up a gate for the future to be revealed and for the covenant to be renewed. And I saw the blessings of God over your life and the promises of heaven where God is decreeing generationally that you've warred over some things in your heart, some secret things that you have placed before the Lord. And I saw now grace being applied to those things and that God was going to supply for you in ways. I saw you sacrifice. You said, God, it doesn't have to be about me. It doesn't have to be what I receive. But the Lord says, I'm a good dad. And I know how to do right by my kids. And I'm going to not just bless you, but your children and your grandchildren will come into a whole new release of the inheritance of the promise upon your life. And because of your sacrifice, you have prepared the way, says the Lord. And I see even now a transaction happening in the spirit. And things that seemingly were withheld, the Lord says it was done purposely because there was a time. But the Lord says now lay claim to that which I say is yours because it is the promise from my heart to yours. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Father, we're so thankful for that. You know, when you receive the inheritance, what you receive is like the keys to the estate. It was interesting, Pastor Daniel, we were over in England a number of years ago, and we had had an awesome time of ministry, and when we got done, it was one of the first times we had gone there, and so we wanted to go over to Westminster Abbey and check it out, and so we got done with ministry, and we rushed over to try to see the Abbey, and just as we got there, you know, we saw the doors had been closed and locked, and the door had a sign saying, come back, we're closed. And so we were going to be leaving, and we knew, well, this was our last chance, and it was getting kind of dark, and we were walking along the Abbey toward uh, Westminster there, and came across this old guy, <laughs> kind of leathery, almost toothless, kind of a little scary looking guy. 
And he stopped us and says, hey, what you guys doing? And I said, well, we were here to see the Abbey. We missed the Abbey. It's closed, and, you know, we'll have to do it another day. He goes, oh, where are you from? You're from America. Of course, he heard our accent right away. And said, oh, yeah, we're from America. Where are you from in America? Oh, we're from a little place. You probably don't know it. It's in Florida. Where in Florida? Well, it's called Santa Rosa Beach. Santa Rosa Beach. I just met somebody from Santa Rosa Beach today. I said, you did. That's not, that's not a big place. That's amazing. He said, yeah, Tom Kinningham. Tom Kinningham, he goes to our church. He goes, hey, so you want to see the Abbey, huh? I said, yeah. He says, well, I'm the caretaker of the Abbey, and I've got all the keys to everything. And he shakes the keys in our face. He says, follow me. And we're kind of going, he's kind of a scary-looking guy, but he does have the keys. He says, I can take you behind the scenes. I can get you into the Abbey. I can take you where the kings and queens get dressed. I'll give you the tour of a lifetime. I'm telling you what, it may say closed in one respect, but when God gives you a key, he'll open up things that cannot be opened. The key of David says, no man can shut it up. No man can open it up, but God can give you the key, the inheritance of wherever you're called to go and he gave us the key and we went through the abbey in the middle of the night when everything was closed and shut up and God says hey that didn't stop me I find it interesting every time we think an angel shows up in our life he's kind of old and wrinkled so I don't know what that means they don't all have British accents though And what I believe God is trying to say to a generation is I'm well able to do the impossible thing. I'm well able to break open the way for you no matter what you face. That even if you feel like things are stacked against you, God says, I can begin to turn the tide. I can bring a divine reversal within your life no matter what the enemy has to say about you. I have something different to decree over your life. Turn to somebody and say, you may be in a battle, but you are a winner. Just because you're in a battle, you know, some people think, well, if God's in it, it's going to be easy. Wait a minute. I beg to differ. Come on, Jesus said, cross over to the other side, guys. And in the middle of the lake, what took place? A furious storm arose. God says, go and do it. It doesn't mean there's not going to be a fight in the middle of what you're called to do. In fact, I dare say that if God has decreed it, it probably means the enemy is going to try to resist what God's trying to bring to pass. And when you're a warrior, when you know the word of the Lord is real, then you don't give up. What do you do? You war and wage a good warfare with the word of the Lord that's gone over your life. This is the promise of God for my children. This is the word of the Lord over my physical body. This is what God has decreed for my ministry. 
And just because the enemy doesn't like it, that doesn't mean I'm giving up or giving in. That means I'm getting with it and beginning to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Uh, a scripture that God has given us for even this season that we heard in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, it says, For a great and effectual door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Can that be true? Can a door be opened and there still be adversaries in the way? If you know what God has decreed, then you know how to fight in war. To bring a divine reversal to pass in your life and what God wants to release. I love what it says in Deuteronomy, the decree when Balaam was trying to curse the people of God. He says, they can't be cursed. Why? Because the shout of the king is in the camp of the Lord. They are honoring the king, and because of that, the curse cannot work against them. Can we give a shout to the king of kings? Hey! Hallelujah! And it says in Deuteronomy 23, 5, But the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord has loved you. My brother right here in the checkered shirt, the beard, that's you. You connected to somebody here? Says your wife. Awesome. I hear the Lord saying, son, I want you to know I've been stretching you. And there's some things that made you uncomfortable. You kind of felt like you just wanted to kind of skirt those issues. But I'm going a little deeper than you even asked me to. And I'm going to get to the root issues. And you're going to find, and sweetie, I just see the heart of the Lord is on you really really in a great way, and you've had some pain in your life. You've had to walk through some things and just kind of say, whatever. But I see God says it's not whatever. It's what I decree. And God's shifting your heart about some issues. You've given up. The expectation has grown about some fearful things. And God says, let go of that because there's something new I'm doing inside of you. There's a faith that God's going to grow. I see you praying together. I see you staying together and talking together through issues. And God elevating your marriage and elevating your home to a whole new level. And the Lord says, don't be afraid of the struggle because that's where you grow. That's where you know what you know that you know. And there's nobody that can rob it from you. I see a capacity to walk in the kind of faith that you thought that's for somebody else. But God says, no. There's a gift of faith in you and there's a growth of faith inside of you. And you're going to be able to operate with a, 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 a sense of, I know this is God. I know how to operate. There's some things that try to slap you in the face, disgrace you, and try to say, God doesn't know it doesn't care about your life. But that's a false assignment of an accusation against you. And God's tearing that apart. There's some things even at the root of your life together that you've kind of looked at and said, well, this is the fruit. And God says, no, let's go down there. Let's get rid of that. And there's going to be a harvest of blessing. God says he's going to bless you. You know what God did at the beginning when he created Adam and Eve? The first thing it says, and he blessed them. Can I just bless you right now? Father, I bless them together. I speak your peace over all that is theirs. I decree that they're not going to lose. They're going to win. That they are overcomers in this life. And everything the enemies tried to throw in their face, God, you're washing their face clean. And you're stepping them up into a new level of operation of that faith that you placed inside of them. Now, I anoint them. I bless them. I give them the Father's blessing now. And say from this time forward, it's a new day, a new start, and even a new heart that's being released to them. And they're not going to be afraid to go there. When they go there, just like it says in Psalms 23, though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear. 
Don't fear any evil. Why? Because I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. All the way through to the green pastures. All the way through to that which restores your soul. Now, Father, I decree, even generationally, that some things are trying to pass down to them. It's not their portion. Father, there's something greater for them. And I decree that release to them now and for them to have hope and a future and the blessing of God upon their life. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of uh, praise. Father, we're so thankful. So thankful for your love. So thankful for your goodness, God. God knows how to impart his heart inside of us to heal the brokenhearted. We talked about this morning when Jesus said, I will build my church. He talked about building the ecclesia, building a church that would combat the gates of hell. It's a time that Jesus was walking along with his disciples and he said, hey, who's, who's everybody? What are they saying about me? What, are they, what do they say? Who do they say I am? Oh, you're this prophet and that. That was interesting. Obviously didn't think it was the right answer because then he turned and he asked a more pointed question. But who do you, you, who do you say that I am? A lot of them got pretty quiet at that moment because they recognized they didn't know what they should know. Except for Simon, you know, he's kind of presumptuous. He's kind of just out there. And he... He didn't know any better. All of a sudden, boom, Holy Spirit hits him. Oh, he feels the anointing. Whoa, something happened to me. And he goes, oh, Jesus, Jesus over here. I think I know. All right, Simon, what you got to say? You are not just Jesus of Nazareth. You're not just another rabbi, another teacher, or another prophet. You are the Messiah that we've been waiting for. You are the son of the living God. Oh, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, because you didn't get this from the University of Jerusalem. You didn't get this from rabbinical school. You didn't get this. No man has taught this to you. The Father has revealed it to you. And now you know something that you didn't know before. Now you know who I really am. And now that you know who I really am, let me say something to you, Simon. You are not really Simon after all. Oh, what do you mean? My mama called me Simon. My brothers, everybody calls me Simon. He says, no, you are not some shaking reed. No, you are Peter which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, not on the shoulders of Peter, but upon this rock of revelation. When people really know who I am, then I can speak to them about who they really are, not what reputation they've had all their life, not what everybody says about them, but what I have to say about them. And upon this exchange of revelation, that's how I will build my church. What kind of church? The kind of church that the gates of hell are not stronger than, cannot prevail against, cannot win against the gates of hell will be shut down. Why? Because I'll give him a key that will operate for my kingdom's sake. The keys of the kingdom will be in their hands and they will lock up hell and they will unlock heaven for me. Can you lift up your hand, Father? I pray right now that you would pass out keys to people tonight. Keys of revelation. Keys of authority. Keys of boldness, keys of wisdom, keys of grace, keys of the anointing.
keys of the kingdom that they need that what they say will open the heavens and open the earth. That the earth was made to respond to the voice of the church. In the beginning, you created Adam and Eve, and you said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth with my glory, and then you will subdue, and you will have dominion over all the earth. I created it for you. And as we're redeemed, the church, the church of the firstborn, the church of the double portion, the church of the inheritance from Jesus himself and the Father, we've been given the keys back again. I loose those keys into the hands of those that are here, that are hungry, that are thirsty, that are ready, that are desirous to use them, not for themselves, a mist to be upon our own uh, uh, gain or, or the things that would be consumed on our lust, but the things that would bring the kingdom to bear in the earth. God, give it to me for the king and for his glory. That's my heart. And so I receive it now in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap just in agreement. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for what you're outpouring in this hour. You know, a few years ago at our church, we were in the panhandle, if you don't know where that is, between Destin and Panama City. Down there, not far from Pensacola, people usually know where that is. Just a little bit east of the Alabama, Mississippi kind of coast there. Gulf Coast. We had something happen not long ago called... The BP oil spill. Do you know anything about it? And the interesting thing about it is that it began to gush out this crude oil all over the Gulf, and especially into Louisiana. And then it began to spread its way east through Mississippi into Alabama. And the next thing you know on the news, they're saying every day it's going to be here on our beautiful sugar white sands. Somebody, who, who was I was talking to that had just been to our area? Yeah. Right? So fine, it squeaks underneath your feet. Caribbean waters. Tourists from around the world that come. Beautiful. And what was coming? A big, miles-long oil slick that would try to devastate our tourism, devastate our economy, devastate our beaches, devastate our estuaries in the bay. And be an economical and environmental disaster. Well, I went to this meeting there at Sandestin, and here there were hundreds of people, and they're all saying, what can we do? What can we do? And a lot of weird ideas people came up with, but the truth of it is, though, we have some of the biggest military bases around us. The military had no answer. The scientists had no answer. The government had no answer. Nobody that we knew had an answer to do anything except for, can we try to clean it up after the path, after it already came in and destroyed everything? And so we... And so as pastors got together and we began to say, I think the only hope is the church. So we began to rise up and we began to pray. And you know what we did? We took a boat of about 15 different pastors and we went out of Destin Pass out into the Gulf and we poured anointing oil against oil spill oil and we said, we forbid you from coming to our coast. Now that may sound a little crazy to some people. But, you know, I just believe that there's some keys in the hands of the church. And God says, you can forbid or you can allow. What are you going to do? So we went out and said, we forbid you from coming to our stretch of beautiful beaches. And then every Sunday we had our church rise up. We stretched our hands to the south and said, 
you will not come ashore here. Oh, they had the hazmat suits on. They had the people out on the beach every day. It's going to be here tomorrow, week after week. But somehow the wind changed, the tide changed, something changed. It never seemed to quite make it here. Well, it's out there. There's miles and miles, and it's about 10 foot deep, and it's going to come in tomorrow. But tomorrow never came. Tomorrow never came. Even on a Wednesday night, we took our church to the beach, put their feet in the water, and said, let's make a decree. Why? This foul, dark invasion wanted to come into our territory, and we stood up to say, we the church say, if we're legislators, then we say no to this that's trying to take place. And I'm telling you, one day, months after, a couple of months after they every day said it's going to be there and it never showed up, they finally said, oh, you know what? It disappeared, but we don't know why or where it went. And we said, we know God dissolves the stuff. And we have a monument in Destin today says the church of Destin and the Emerald Coast prayed to God that the scourge of the oil spill would not hit our beautiful shores and we give glory to God because of his faithfulness to hear our cry. Come on. Come on, a memorial to the Lord is in the land because some people take a stand and say, God, we cry out and you alone are our salvation. Can you imagine 17 pastors getting together to do anything? There's a miracle to start right there. And we have a week of blessings every year where we all get together and pray over our community from all the government officials to all the officials in our schools, all the officials and different people in the different strata of our business community and marketplace. We call it the marketplace blessing and God has graced us even saved us from some hurricanes that would have come our way we serve a God not just of preservation but of restoration you know have you ever been around somebody that they like to restore cars or something like that and uh, if you get around them you know they're strange people they love stuff that you would look at and say, that's a bunch of junk. And they'll come and say, oh, come to my garage. Come over to this yard. I want to show you what I just got. I paid a high price. This is what I got. It's beautiful. And you look at it and go, man, you got took. I mean, that rust bucket, that messed up piece of junk, why don't you get rid of it? Oh, no, no, no. It's beautiful. And you look at it and go, are you kidding me? And then, oh, this is a 57 Chevy, man. When I'm done with it, I tell you what, I'm going to have the chrome shining. I'm going to make the black walls and white walls all look right. I'm going to get that horn in the engine. I'm going to make everything. Man, it's going to be better than it came off the showroom floor. What's the difference between my view and theirs? They have a prophetic view of what they're going to do. They're looking through the eyes of restoration. Have you ever seen somebody get a prophetic word and you kind of shake your head like, I don't know. I know the problems they got in their life. 
How many are glad that God has some mercy on all of us, you know? Everybody wants to duck. God, don't call out all my sins. Well, you know, Ananias fire may start tomorrow, but let's hope it doesn't start tonight. I remember one time when I first started prophesying. My dad got sick. He came back from Malaysia. He did all the prophesying at our conferences. And so he was so sick. He did all the preaching, all the prophesying. He did everything. And he said, I tell you what, I can't do it. We're going to have to do something new. I said, what? Well, guys, and we were just young guys in the ministry. He says, we're going to break off into teams, and you guys are going to minister to the people. And we said, no way. They didn't come to hear us. They came to hear you. And he said, no, they came to hear God, and I'm going to lay my hands upon you, and you're going to be God's voice. And so you know what we did? We went to lunch, and we fasted, and we tried to read the whole Bible in one hour. He said, we're going to break off into teams, and you're going to minister. I said, oh, my God. And I remember my wife and I were a team, and they brought this couple up before us, and I just said, okay, God, okay, here we go, here we go. Let's pray. Let's prophesy. And we start ministering, and, whoa, the flow was there, and I just saw this picture, you know, just little pictures flashing through my mind. It comes that quick, and all of a sudden... I saw them working together in team ministry, and I said, I just see you working together in team ministry. And, and you know, the, there was an example in the Bible I knew I needed to come up with, and I knew it was there. And so I just jumped down, and I said, just like Ananias and Sapphira. And my wife says, I think he means Priscilla and Aquila. I said, that's it, hallelujah. Don't die on me now. It'll be the end of my ministry. Oh, his first prophetic word. It was a dead word, I tell you what. Give me some resurrection life, Lord. How many are glad that God has some grace? And I think he laughs a few times at us as we're just stepping out. You know, when I watch my kids, I got seven grandkids, I watch them take those steps and try to figure out how to, how to walk. I don't get mad when they mess up. I just laugh, try to catch them and have some fun with them and watch them take a few more. We got a good dad. He's just looking for us to grow. If they're not growing, then it can be frustrating. It can be upsetting. You're wondering what's wrong. But when they're stepping out in faith, you get proud. You get excited. Wow, they tried that. They're doing some sport. They're doing something new. They got a talent. They have a gift. I'm so excited about what God is doing in them. But what the Lord said to me in this season that to bring the divine reversals he wants to do in the earth, he's going to use some of the most unlikely candidates. Some of you that got the most or the least likely to succeed trophy from your high school. Least likely to succeed unlikely candidate. Turn to somebody and say, I think he's talking about you. No, but be careful. People that you and I might say, no way, Jose. They don't have it. And God says, you're just seeing with a natural eye. Remember what he said about David? You look and you say, Eliab, he's the one. You look and naturally you decree that this is the one that I need. And God says, no, 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 no. Him over here that's serving out in the pasture, that's doing his father's work, that's willing to be humble and to worship and do what I ask him to. He's the one I need. He's the future king. Because I don't look at the outward appearance. What do I look at? The heart. 
my sister right here, I just hear the Lord saying, daughter, many times you've compared yourself and you've kind of looked through a lens that you thought this is the way it ought to be. But I want you to know I made you rightly and I've called you purposely. And you don't have to compare yourself to any because what I put inside of you is incomparable. And the Lord says, I have anointed you to have my heart and to speak my words and to have an embrace of my love in your arms. And the Lord says, all I'm asking and all I need is those things that you do that follow me in showing my love. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are dancing with her. And you're showing her the garden that you have prepared. And the Lord says, daughter, see what I have for you is beautiful. I will be tender with you. There are some harsh things that happened, but the Lord says, that wasn't me. You're going to dance. You're going to be free. I'm going to give you beauty, even for the ashes of your life. And the Lord says, I'm going to walk you through a season when you're going to feel my heartbeat. The rhythm of heaven will be upon you. I see you even walking in nature. And God's showing you things. It's like Isaiah 55 when he says, the trees clap their hands. The birds will sing. The flowers will praise. God says, there's a creativity and a giftedness that's going to begin to birth out of you. I don't know if you paint or if you do po poetry, but there's something inside of you that's going to flourish. And it's going to flow. And it's going to give God glory. And I see the father just smiling. And just like when a dad gives his daughter away, he's just so blessed. He may have a tear in his eye, but it's a tear of joy saying, look at her go. So, Father, I bless her now in Jesus' name. Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God, so good. God said, I will use some of the most unlikely candidates. You remember when Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 1, he, he said, I have called you from a youth to be a prophet to the nations. And you know what Jeremiah said back to God? Are you kidding me? I'm just a youth and I, I can't speak. And I can't do what you have decreed over my life. And he said this, stop talking like that. He said, stop saying that. For you will go everywhere I send you and I will put my words in your mouth. And you will speak for me. Well, about the faces of men, I'm afraid of what everybody will look like, what they'll say, how they'll receive me. He said, don't be afraid of the faces of men. Come on. Don't be afraid of the crowd or what everybody else has to say. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not afraid of your face. <laughs> Come on, husbands, be bold. <laughs> it's like the, you know, you go up to the pearly gates and there's two lines. St. Peter's there. In this one line, it says, henpecked husbands. Anybody know what that means, henpecked husbands? You know, mealy mouth. Not, okay, you know what I mean. And he looks and the line stretches out forever, it seems like. And then he sees the line that says, real he men. And there's one man standing there. Well, he's amazed, so he walks over to him. 
I'm amazed. How did you come to stand in this line? And he said, my wife told me to stand here. All right. It's like my dad says, I'm the head of the house. But my wife's the neck that turns the head, right? I will create a church that will legislate with authority. And their words will shift the heavens and shift the earth. What they are given is the power to deal with every opening that hell thinks it has in our city, in our state, in our community, in our families. We've been given a key to say, no, no, no. We don't allow you to do that here. We're stopping you from losing that demonic power to bring divorces and to bring suicide and to come in with that depression and trying to come and rob people of their dignity and speak those words of shame. I tell you, no more. We're stopping you now with the authority given in the name of Jesus. And then we're lifting our hands in praise and opening up the gate of praise, the gate of heaven saying, God, we want heaven to flow down into the land, into our lives, into the earth. Saturate the ground with your presence. Unlikely candidates like Gideon. Well, the enemy's robbing our harvest every year. He, he's taking advantage of all the people of the land. Everybody's starving. They're hurting. They're, they're going down. Every time we get our head above water, we get knocked down. Gideon's there at the threshing floor. And what is he here? Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor. You courageous man. He's hiding out in the threshing floor at night. Tries to prove something before the Lord. And he yells out to God, but God, don't you understand? I, I, I'm the least of my family, and my family is the least of all the families. Are you kidding me? When God speaks to us, most of the time, our first response is, who, me? Are you kidding? Get Pastor Daniel. Come on. Find somebody that's anointed. Where's James? Get one of these guys that has a grace upon their life. But what do you mean, me? Could he change the course of history of a nation? Could little Gideon raise up an army and then get down to 300 and God says, I can use a little to make a big difference if they just believe. Oh, we want the millions. And God says, no, sometimes I want the glory, and so I want to use you. Because everybody knows you guys are just fishermen. Everybody knows that naturally you've never been learned or skilled. You don't have all the degrees. But, boy, can I use you if you're bold, if you choose to follow me, if you believe. We perceive that these people have been following Jesus because they spoke with boldness just like Jesus did. How will people know that you've been following Jesus? Because you operate with the authority that they have seen in the face of Jesus. You are the voice of the Lord to a generation. God will use some of the most unlikely candidates like Daniel and Esther who were brought into their positioning, not because they asked and put out a great application and met resume and said, this is what I want. No, they were brought, listen, forced against their will into slavery and servitude.
well, I didn't ask for this job. I never asked to live in Wasilla. I mean, this is not really my idea of what I really wanted to do with my life. Does that mean God's not in it? Does that mean that God can't use you? Does that mean that maybe you feel like you're Joseph in prison or Joseph in uh, servitude, that God doesn't want to call you to make the difference that will shift a nation and a destiny and a future? You talk about an unlikely candidate. My dad, who had his, has his birthday tomorrow, we're going to go with Pastor Daniel on Tuesday to the top of Denali and land on a glacier and make some proclamations over the nation from the highest place in the land. Hallelujah. And he had his birthday at our church, 85 years old. But you know what? When he got saved, one of the most unlikely candidates. From Bondsville, Oklahoma. How many know where that is? No. Oh, way. You're kidding. Bochita, Blue, Hugo, Durant. Come on. Blink your eye, you'll pass through Boswell. Well, that's where my dad is. He didn't even live in town. He lived down on a farm. Hillbilly as hillbilly goes. No running water, hardly even an outhouse. Okay, that's the way he was raised. 16 years old, rides his horse into town. Some revivalist lady came to Boswell, set up a brush arbor meeting space, which means you put down some poles and you throw the brush over and try to keep the heat of the Oklahoma sun off your head. And decides to preach a revival with little benches down front. He rides his horse into town. His friends decide to go and kind of mock and play. Maybe he sees some girl that went over to the meeting. Something gets a hold of him in the middle of the service, and he answers the altar call, comes down to the front, cries and prays and receives Christ as his Lord, and then gets filled with the Holy Ghost at 16. His family, he says, didn't have any religious heritage. They were American heathen. Had no knowledge of anything. Gets saved, gives his heart to the Lord, decides to serve God, ends up going off to Bible college. That lady who passed through town, you know what? I don't know, but lady preachers weren't very well received back then, back in the 40s, 50s. I'm sure she went to the next town and just thought a handful maybe even had a response. And who knows if she was discouraged and thought, I don't know if I made a difference at all. And in fact, we don't even know her name to this day. But you know who knows her name? God knows her name. And you know what is accrued as a crown of glory for her? Is a young kid who was a hillbilly boy that went to Bible college, ended up getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, beginning to serve God, has now pioneered the prophetic movement, has prophesied hundreds and thousands, has touched kings and presidents and nations, has traveled around the world, written books and trained and equipped hundreds and thousands and millions of people have been impacted. And that woman doesn't even know. Naturally, she's dead and in heaven has received a reward. She could have never known what she did that day. There's a family in our nation that's filled with movie stars called the Baldwin family. Alec Baldwin. And I think another brother that's a movie star as well. But there's also one, Stephen Baldwin. What's different about Stephen is that Stephen's saved. 
filled with a, the life of God and has a powerful testimony. You know why? This is his testimony. He had his mansion out in California. And he had himself one of those Mexican maids, you know. She came in and she cleaned his mansion. But there was something about her that always made him take note. You know why? She did her job with such joy. She would kind of sing and have a smile on her face, and she was working so hard. So one day he stopped her and he said, let me ask you. I know you work hard. I know we don't pay you that much. Why are you so happy doing this kind of work? She said, well, Mr. Baldwin, I, I want you to know I'm not just here to clean your house. Well, you know, what are you here for? Anyhow, you know, a little worried now. No, I'm here to bless your home from the heart of God. You know what happened? Out of that simple testimony, he got saved. Not only he got saved, his wife got saved, his kids got saved. And now, he is a voice into Hollywood and he is a voice into the media mountain that that Mexican maid could never have been but because she was willing to serve with a little bit that she had and be able to use it in such a way that I will give glory to God with whatever portion and opportunity. I may be the most unlikely candidate, but that doesn't mean I can't be a gatekeeper that would open up things for the kingdom of God to be advanced in the earth in an amazing way. If I use what I have, though it's a little, God may do something great. If you're faithful over a little, I may make you a ruler over a city. Whoa. Well, I don't know what working at the hardware store means. I don't know what it means to work in children's church. I don't know. I don't get to be in front and center and receive everything everybody else does. Hey, David didn't even get invited to the presbytery meeting. Why? He was out serving. You had to be called from the back and say, hey, 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 you got one more son? Oh, yeah, David. What's David going to do? Just show up and say, is there not a cause? You foul demonic spirit that's stopping the army of God. You will not mock what God wants to decree and do. I'm going to change the course and history of my nation today because I'll rise up and I'll say, God, if you need a champion, why not me? If you need somebody to shift the tide of the battle, why not me? Maybe everybody else thinks I'm out to lunch and I don't have anything to offer and they're laughing at me. Even Goliath has mocked me, but I don't care. God, what do you say about me? That's the power of the prophetic. My brother right here, I'm looking at you. Can you see me on that on the aisle? That's you. Is this your wife? You guys together? Still claim each other? Still love each other? Stand up. Son and daughter, I don't want you to judge your life by what you've called past failures or even at the challenges that you face because there's so much more inside of you than what you've experienced thus far. And God says, I have been putting a stake deep inside of you. 
And there's some issues in your heart of trust that I've asked you to lay down before me that you would let go so that I could lay hold even of your life in a whole new way. And the Lord says, this is the time that I'm getting ready to not just build a foundation, but I see it's not just a foundation for a house. It's like a launching pad that God says many will be launched into their ministry, into their future, into their destiny, even into the nations because you've chosen to build a foundation for me. Lift up your hands if you don't mind. Father, I decree that there's a champion spirit inside of this couple and that though they have faced some fearful times and though they have felt like they have failed along the way, that God, that's not the decree and that's not what you have to say. There's a testimony in their life that's greater and stronger than anything that they've seen thus far. Lord, Gideon hadn't done anything until he did what he did. David hadn't done anything except kill a lion and a bear until he became the champion and then the king. It felt like uh, Elisha had not done one miracle until the double portion fell upon him. And then it was miracle after miracle. So, Father, I decree right now that the shift is happening even in the season in a great way. You guys have done some things, but God says get ready. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you right now. There's a passage I want to give to you out of 2 Kings. You know, it says that there was a Shunammite woman that prepared a place for the prophet. You know, it's one thing to receive a prophet when they come through and say, bless your prophet. But this Shunammite said, that's not enough. I want to build a place for the prophetic in my house, in my life, in my business, in my city, in my state or nation. God, I don't want you to just pass through with a word. I want to be a wellspring. I want there to be a place where you abide prophetically in my life. And because of that, the prophet turned back to her and said, what? Do you want? And she didn't even have anything to say. But then Revelation came saying she needs an inheritance. She needs a legacy. She needs a reproduction. She doesn't have a son. And there's something that needs to be released in her life of a birthing that God wants to bring. This time next year, you shall bear a son. And that blessing came to her and she birthed. And then sometime later, we know the son's working in the field with her dad and with his dad, and all of a sudden he falls over my head, my head, and he falls over dead. Oh, my God. God, you gave me the son, and now this? How can this be? And they brought the boy in from the field, and they brought it to the mom, and he's dead. She doesn't even really look closely. She just says, take him up to the prophet's chamber. Take him up to the place I prepared for the prophetic to stay, where the vision was birthed, where the word of the Lord comes freely. Put him up there upon the prophet's bed. And I'm going to run now to the prophet, and I'm going to say to him, listen, this word that you gave, this birthing that came forth, this vision that was released to me, it may feel like it's dead, but I know that this is not God's decree. It's something that God wants to do to resurrect, to keep alive, and bring into fruition. That which you have started, God, you know how to finish rightly. And then the prophet came face to face, laid upon the boy and decreed, life be released 
He came back alive, but then she went away for a time into another land. For seven years, the prophet said, follow the word of the Lord because there's going to be a famine in the land. How many know you can be doing the work of God, you've been following the word of the Lord, and you can go through some things. And she went off into this land, and then she says, after seven years, she returned. She came back, and it says that she made an appeal to the king for her house and for her land. It just so happened to be the very time that the king was getting sleepy and kind of wanting to hear some stories. And he said, hey, tell me again about that story of the prophet raising up that boy. And they turned to him and said, hey, I got something better than that. The woman and her son are here right now. Here's the reality of the testimony. And she made an appeal for her house and for her land. And the king said, appoint an officer that everything that she has lost, her house, she lost her house, she lost her fields, she lost all the produce of the land. All that she has lost to be restored and all the proceeds she should have had, put it all in her hand. Restore all. And I heard the Lord saying, this is a season that people are going to learn how to make an appeal to heaven and be able to shift the verdict and bring divine reversal. I believe we've seen some of that in our nation already. And there's been the appeal to heaven flag. And there's been a decree about some of the things that God said initially in this nation. And there's a, a cry that's gone up to heaven to say, God, the verdict seemsly, seems has, has gone the wrong direction. I remember talking to God one day and saying, God, the Supreme Court, we don't get to vote about these issues. They just say it's unconstitutional and this is the way it's going to be. And we have to change our whole culture and our life. And these verdicts are going the wrong way. God, what do we do? And I said, God, they're not the highest court in our land. And the Lord said back to me, son, yes, they are. But whenever a verdict goes against you in the land that you live in, there's only one thing you can do. Make an appeal to a higher court. And God says there's a sovereign court, as it's described in Daniel, where the king is seated, where the Ancient of Days is watching. When he arises, he can make a verdict in favor of the saints most high that they can take the kingdom. And I can shift the verdict at the gate. I can change. And appeal can be heard. And I can begin to turn that which has gone against you and reverse that verdict and say, now it's going to begin to move in your favor. And some of you felt like the verdict has already been set. The judgment has come. You've had to deal with the issue from a certain point of view. But I'm telling you what, God's going to change our Supreme Court and is. God's going to change some things over your life. If God can do it in our election, how much more he can do it in your life? God's saying, I'm looking for a people that know how to make an appeal to me. Second Chronicles 2020, if you believe the Lord, you will be established. If you believe his prophets. You will prosper. You will advance. You will break through. You will see a divine reversal. That whole passage is about Jehoshaphat the king waking up one morning and see the enemy is far outnumbered him. No chance. He says, let's cry out to God. Listen, if you're going to make an appeal, you have to have two things. You have to base it upon case law or covenant law. 
and you have to base it upon new information. Why should I change the verdict? Well, here's the precedent that I'm standing on. Here's the law, the covenant that I'm standing upon. And then here's the new information I'm bringing to my case. And you can see there, Jehoshaphat made this wonderful appeal about God and his temple and the people and the call and all that God had done and all that would take place if it didn't work in his favor. But then in the midst of seeking God, praising God, fasting, seeking God's face, all of a sudden, this young man named Jehaziel rises up and he prophesies and says, you're not going to have to fight the way that you think you have to fight. God's going to fight for you. He's going to give you wisdom and go out here right now. And if you go and fight, God will begin to turn the tide. I'll shift everything. That was looked like it was totally against you. Death and destruction was going to come. I'm going to turn the verdict around. I'm going to bring a turnaround anointing upon your life. But you have to know how to bring your appeal for your house. For your land, for our nation, for this state, for this city. Lift up both your hands right now toward heaven. Father, you're looking for a people that may be unlikely candidates, but they're going to bring the case to you that's going to make the difference. God, if you can change some things in our Supreme Court already, how much more? You will hear our cry. If you heard the cry of wicked Nineveh and shifted the verdict against them, how much more will you hear the church in America if we cry out to you? How much more will you hear the church and the people of God in Alaska if we cry out to you? How much more will you listen to the cry of your people if we make our case? And so as we lift up our hands to you, God, we base it upon the covenant of the life and the blessing of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But we're also bringing some new information to our case, and that's the word of the Lord. The things that you've decreed in our generation, the things that you've said over my life, the things that you've said over my children, the things that you've decreed over my prosperity, the things that you've spoken over my future, the things that you've released, I'm bringing my case to you. And I'm decreeing divine reversals are on the way that you are sending a certain officer, as you said, even from the king to the Shunammite. I'm sending an officer. I'm sending angels out and decreeing, recover all for them. Recover all for us, God. Every promise, every word. Let us know how to battle at the gate. Let us know how to shift the battle at the gate. Let us be the ones that hit the beachhead like they did on the, the, the beaches of Normandy when they risk all to say we're going to stop evil in its tracks. We're going to hit the beach, but we're not stopping there. We're going to invade the very heart of evil and turn the course and the hinge of history. will go toward freedom and life. We're going to be your special forces. We're going to be your Marines. We're going to be your frontline soldiers. We're going to be the greatest generation. Because of your decree over our life, we've been given the ability to change everything. So you have your hands uplifted. Let me just decree over you Isaiah 54. Some of the greatest men in the Bible were birthed from barren wombs, from virgin wombs. Unlikely candidate, you can't birth a Samson. You can't birth a Samuel. 
You can't birth what God needs. Can you stand up and lift up your hands? Sing. Oh, barren, sing. Sing. It means break out with song. Break out with the spirit and the sound of breakthrough. You who have labored and not had a child yet, don't give up. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Those that felt forsaken. Those that felt broken. Those that felt left out. You may look like, oh, God, you've uh, overlooked who I am. And God's no, I'm looking right at you. I can do more with a broken life than the one that's full of themselves. Enlarge the place of your dwelling. Can you just stretch out your hands a little further? Come on, that's what this church is going to do. Enlarge the place of your dwelling. Be expectant. Grow. Why would you build a bigger house if you're barren? No. I'm building a bigger house because I am expectant with great things God's going to birth out of me. Now stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Stretch out your faith. Stretch out your vision. Stretch out your dream. Do not spare. It means don't be reserved. Don't withdraw. Don't hold back. Think big. Dream big. Believe big. Lengthen your cords. Grow continuously strengthen your sticks grow firm be strong be resolute be courageous prevail conquer overcome press in restore be bold for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations that's the word yaresh that means to dispossess the enemy so you can possess what god has promised yaresh listen what one translation says you will spread out to the right and left, and your children will conquer nations and resettle it, resettle desolate cities. Wow. Listen to this. Put your hand on your heart. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither will you be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget. Listen. You will forget the shame of your youth. Pastor Daniel, you have a great testimony. But you're a different man. And those things have nothing to do with who you are today. And it's a great word of testimony. But I'm saying there's a mantle of who you are that you're stepping into that you will not even think twice about those days. They'll feel like they're so far away. And you will literally forget Come on, some of you are forgetting right now. Come on, let go of it. You will forget the shame of your youth. That generational curse will be broken. You know what my father did when he stepped in to say, I will serve you, God? He broke a generational curse that was in the family line. And you know what he birthed? Generational blessings. And I am a product of generational blessings. And my children are a product of generational blessings. And my seven grandchildren are in my church serving God because one man decided to break the chain of oppression and say, I can begin to be the new stars. I'm making appeal for my family and my future. You will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Come on, some of you have walked through some trauma. 
They say there's trauma imprinting. That means there's a chemical reaction that wants to take place to cause you to go back into that memory, to bring you back into bondage. Come on, everyone here, lift your hands. There's some of you, this means something to you right now. God says he's going back into the very synapses of your brain. And it's reordering. Come on. He's reordering. You think God could do that? If he created you, I promise you, he can recreate whatever he wants to. My brother back there in the orange shirt, God says, right now is a new start for you. There's some things that God has decreed over your life that you've had a hard time laying claim. But God says, today is your day. And you're stepping into a whole new way. Father, right now, I'm releasing faith breakthrough imprinting now upon our lives for your maker is your husband. Oh, the one who has called you and decreed it over your life is also going to be your helpmate to help fulfill it. For the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies is the same and your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. He has called you and decreed that he's the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit. Like a youthful wife that has been refused or rejected. For a mere moment, you felt forsaken. But now, just lift up your head. Now with great mercies, I will gather. You know, sometimes you make your appeal to heaven and maybe you don't think you've got the greatest case. You know what you do then? You throw yourself on the mercy of the court. God mercy upon America. God, have mercy upon Alaska. God, have mercy upon my life, upon that which I'm bringing to you today. It's not because I'm great, it's because you're great. Father, receive right now your everlasting kindness and mercy that you have decreed for my life. May goodness and mercy, follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Begin to pray in the spirit right now. We're a people of the spirit. We're a people of the anointing. We're a people of your presence, God. My brother and sister, I just see the Lord saying, I'm birthing some things inside of you, some things that have been hidden, some things that have been as you felt, oh God, I can't even expose this to anybody. But yet, in the midst of that, I began to even cause the root to go down and begin to find that taproot into my life and into the reservoir of my blessing upon you. And the Lord says, son, you're going to find that you're going to be able to do what I said you could do. And there's that which is inside of you that's going to grow. And you're going to be able to be that champion over overcomer that I decreed you are and even though the enemy had tried to put you down it's almost like there was a boot on your head and you felt like oh and being hammered how am I going to get out and the Lord says son as you lift up your head I'll be the glory with you and I'll begin to break that power that was set as a limitation against your life even when you were young some things that were said they really hit your heart hard and you kind of didn't know what to do with those and you've kind of been mulling them over even of recent days and you kind of said well 
well, God, I don't even want to think that way. But I'm going to shift it for you, says the Lord. And you're going to find that I have heard your cry. And like Jabez, you're going to find that there will not be a curse that will alight against you. But you will have an anointing to be able to be a blessing to all those that I send you. I see there's some that have said some things even recently that you felt like, am I just a problem? And the Lord says, no, I'm going to begin to shift some things inside that you will know that I have arisen and you're going to be a light and you're going to be a blessing. And the Lord says, my daughter, don't you know that even though you were rejected and there were some things that happened along the way that you didn't know what to do, even with your life, and there were some things that made you feel desperate in a time that you wanted to give up. But I want you to know I've never given up on you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll always walk right beside you. I'm going to teach you some things that you say, I don't even know how to do this right. And the Lord says, that's okay. I'm the teacher and I'm the guide. And I'm going to begin to bring a brightness even of my of my love upon your countenance. And you're going to be amazed at the laughter that's going to come. Yes, there's been a darkness that tried to be like a haze, but I'm wiping the tears and I'm wiping away that which has been a fog. And I'm beginning to open up your heart. And the Lord says, daughter, I love you in an amazing way. I love you intensely. I love you immensely. And I don't see anything that you see about what you say is so wrong. I want you to know, no, you're going to enlarge the place of your dwelling. And great grace is going to flow into your life. And you're going to know my heart for you more than ever before. Now, I decree, God, your banner over them is love. And they're going to know it. Know it's true. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Father, we're so thankful. Come on, give God a shout. Oh! Oh! Look, I want, I want you to do something with me tonight. How many believe that when you decree something, it begins to shift the atmosphere? There's something about praying, and that's great. We want to pray. But the reason we pray is to build up our faith and to petition God. But then there's a shift that sometimes need to, needs to take place. How many know that Jesus never really prayed for anybody to receive a miracle? Uh-oh, religious spirit just went out the door. No, what did he do? He always decreed with dominion and authority. Woman, thou art loosed. Take up your bed and walk. Arise, be cleansed. Lazarus, come forth. In fact, when Jesus prayed at Lazarus' tomb, he says, I'm not praying because I need to. I've already been praying enough. I'm praying so that they can see I'm connected to you, Father, that when I decree, it's from you what I do. And so I want to believe for you, like we talked this morning about upgrade, that God's going to elevate you even to a new place of authority when the disciples follow Jesus as we perceive they are just fishermen unlearned but we also perceive that they have been with Jesus because they speak with authority my dad many years ago coined a phrase called activation which just simply means stirring up the gift of God or the faith of God inside of you so can we do this tonight can you just find one person Take both their hands. All right, take both their hands. One person, one-on-one. -on -one. Take both their hands so they can't escape. I mean, take both their hands so you can partner with them. Find somebody good because uh, you want to find a good partner to be able to bless you. All right, 
Everybody have somebody. If you don't, just wave your hand and we'll partner you up just for ministry. That's it, just for ministry. But we will connect you. Go, anybody need anybody? If you do, all right, listen. Everybody look at me. This is what we're going to do. You know, at the gate, beautiful, remember, the disciples were walking through. They'd been there a million times. And the lame man had always been there because he was there from birth. But something shifted when he begged and said, can you give me some money? He said, well, I don't have any money for you, but I got something for you. And then they said, look at me. Such as I have, I give to you. Rise. Take up your bed. Walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. A miracle took place. So we're going to do an activation to release that decree and that authority in your life. So how many of you say it's okay to break a little bit of the back of the religious spirit? All right, so we're going to do three things. Number one, we're not going to close our eyes. So turn to your partner and say, I'll keep mine open if you do. How many know your eyes are the window to your soul, okay? And so when he said, look at me, he said, rise, take up your bed and walk, okay? So we're going to keep our eyes open. Number two, we're not going to pray or petition. What are we going to do? We're going to decree with all authority. The word in the Greek is epitosh, decree with all authority. All right? We're going to decree it. We're going to say, I decree to you in the name of Jesus. And then we're going to give you permission to do something that we don't always give you permission to do in church. And that is, you can point your finger if you need to. I know some of you got scared right there. All right. Now, before we do this, I want everybody to just stop and think for a moment. What's one area you really want breakthrough in? Come on, think about it. I want to see my children saved. I want to see breakthrough in my body. I want to see healing. I need a financial breakthrough. Whatever it is, just think for a moment. It should be something that's right there. You know what you want. Okay, now this is not the activation. But take a moment. Just tell them what you're believing for. Just tell them, I'm believing for a breakthrough in my finances. Or I'm believing for some healing. Whatever it is, just tell them. Don't tell them your life story. Just tell them a few words. A few words. A few words. I'm just going to give you a moment. Okay, have you told them? You should know what you want. That desire that's to the forefront. Okay, an area you want breakthrough in. All right, have you told them? All right, now this is what we're going to do. Everybody look at me again. All right, so, number one, you can let go of their hands, but don't let them leave. All right. Number two, we're not going to pray. What are we going to do? How are we going to decree? With boldness, with authority, with power. All right? What are we going to do with our eyes? Listen, listen, listen. I know I've watched this so many times. Some of you are going to have a hard time. You're going to go, some of you are not even going to do it, but I'm telling you, open your eyes, both the recipient and the giver, all right? You speak right into their life, and you make a decree. It says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God, the voice of God. 
And what are you going to speak? You're going to release the spirit of breakthrough. You're going to break every bondage. You're going to loose them from every assignment of the enemy. You're going to release heaven into their life. And you're going to point your finger if you need to. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say one, two, three, decree. When I do, I want to know who are the bold ones who will say, I'll go first. Come on, be bold. Where are you? Where are you? One of you has to say it. All right, one of you has to say it. I'll go first. Okay, and then when they're done, what are you going to do? You're going to let the other person decree back to you. Now, you already know, right, what they're believing for. You're going to start with what you know and then go into the flow. What's that mean? Start with what you know. Well, they want a breakthrough in their finances. Well, start with what you know and say, I decree to you in the name of Jesus. God's going to open up the windows of heaven. I say that spirit of poverty has to go. I'm loosing right now your prosperity, and you're going to boldly decree it. And then you don't know. God may just give you a prophetic flow. You might go right into some other things that they need to receive. Okay, so that's okay. Start with what you know and just go into the prophetic flow a little bit. And then when you're done, let them speak back to you. All right? Keep your eyes open. Get ready to have a boldness and authority. One, two, three, decree with all authority. Loose the spirit of breakthrough. Be the voice of God. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Receive from them. Look at them. Receive from them. Decree it. Boldness, power, dunamis. Loose them, bless them, break through, anoint them. Look at them. Look them in the eye. Receive. Keep your eyes open. Decree to them. When you get done, let them decree back to you. Hey, breakthrough. Come on. Speak it. Let there be light. Let there be life. Let there be a release. Now, faith is now, deliverance is now, healing is now, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I decree to you in the name of Jesus, I loose you in the name of Jesus, I bless you. Now, Lord. Now, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Powerful. Powerful. Come on. Can we give the Lord a shout? Hallelujah. Hey. Hallelujah. Now listen, whenever you receive from the Lord or from somebody, you need to do a couple of things. One, can you just agree with them and give them a high five and say, I received that breakthrough in Jesus' name. Come on, just seal the deal. Agree with it. Now, can you do this? Can you give them 
a hug and say, thank you for ministering to me. Nine lepers got healed. Only one said, thank you. Only one came back and said, Jesus, thank you. Father, I just release a fresh mantle. How many felt something different come out of you when you did that? Father, let that remain inside of us. Let us operate in our businesses. Let us operate in our territory. Let us operate in the seven mountains around about us of education and media and business and finance and government. Wherever you send us and family, let us operate like that. Let us be that kind of blessing, the very voice of the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.